Hi, and welcome to the Vancouver Life Podcast. This podcast is created to answer the most talked about questions when it comes to navigating the Vancouver real estate market. I'm your host, Dan Wartell, a licensed agent and accredited real estate investment advisor based here in Vancouver, and I'm joined by my co-host, Ryan Dash. Hi, Dan. I'm also a local realtor, an exhausted father of two, husband of one, and really happy to be here. Let's get right into today's episode. The fall market begins next week, and it looks to be as unique, interesting, and likely as unpredictable as the first eight months of 2023. And in this episode, we're going to give you the basically leading metrics that we're following and share our predictions into what to expect to close out the rest of not only 2023, but maybe what might happen during the beginning of next year as well. And you know, maybe you've been watching this market for a while and thinking, well, the fall market's pretty typical, so I'm going to wait off to buy or sell then. Well, hey, you may even want to wait a bit longer. But either way, feel free to reach out to us below and we'll have a chat about what we think is going to happen and how we might be able to help your specific situation. Now, right off the top here, we're recording this on uh, Wednesday, August the 30th, and the August real estate numbers aren't going to be out until probably early September. But of course, we have insights into what's actually happening and wanted to share those with you real quick here, just to kind of give you an idea of what happened in August, because of course, what helps us predict tomorrow is also kind of what happened today. So just some top level data here. Uh, first off, as we always do, we like to talk about the sales figures. Like, How does the volume of sales compare to last year? Because that's largely a, a health indicator of the marketplace. And we know last year was slow. And so uh, not too surprising, but sales volumes are actually up about 20% more than they were last year. Last year, things were going to freeze as those rates were skyrocketing very quickly. People were in shock. And so this year, as temperament has changed a bit, we are seeing sales jump up uh, about 2300 is where the dust will settle at the end of this month. So an increase from last year, but unquestionably still well below the 10-year long-term averages. Yeah, and listings uh, listings not bad. 20% increase year over year, sitting around 4000 So um, again, it's still... Still far too low for levels we'd like to see for sustainability, but you know, given um, given the fact that it's a twenty percent increase year over year, I think that's a welcomed uh, return for a lot of buyers, and uh, hopefully that continues into September. For sure, it usually does, but hey, nothing's been usual for what three years <laughs> now. But uh, we will see. So you know, with that twenty percent increase in listings, where does that sit with our also needed inventory? Realistically, we're just we're just above 10k right now, but always at the end of the month, what happens is a lot of people delist their properties if they haven't sold to either relist them again to refresh that listing or whatnot. So realistically, I think very likely we're going to see our ninth month in a row where inventory is under 10,000 total. Holy cow! <laughs> um, well, that that's going to speak to sales to active ratio too. Right now, it's hovering around 23, 24%. That's still quite a seller's market. Uh, with that being said, the seller's market has been softening to some degree. Uh, and to give you guys some reference, the seller's market in terms of 2023, there's only been one month, and that's January, that wasn't a seller's market. So if you had told me in January that that was going to be the case, Dan, I wouldn't have believed you. <laughs> Fair. Just like you would, I wouldn't have believed it if uh, you said prices were going to keep going up for eight, nine months of the year. That uh, did not seem to pan out <laughs> based on the data we had back in January. But either way, 
they have. So what's prices going to do? What are prices going to do this month? Well, average is up, but average is only up about $10,000. But up is up. But listen to this, because this may be the beginning of something different. Because the median price dropped significantly. I'm talking by $78,000 this month. That equates to an 8% drop in one month, which is very unusual. Very unusual. So let's watch this space. We're going to see what median is going to do, obviously, in the weeks and months coming up. But to see that dramatic of a change in that metric may be an indicator of uh, some underlying well, problems, if you will, um, but definitely where prices may lead going forward. What does that mean for HPI? Well, because it's lagging about two or three months and because average went up, median, or sorry, uh, HPI will likely end up flat or maybe even up a hair, but you know, within half a percent kind of thing. So that's what's happened, you know, in the month of August here. Um, people are trying to buy, there's not much to buy, and that's going to be a little bit about what we talk about moving forward here. So, what's going to happen in the fall markets? A lot of people do go to the sidelines during summer, especially, and say, okay let's kind of rethink about real estate when the weather turns and uh, the fall market has got everybody back to work, kids back to school, et cetera, et cetera. One of the biggest drivers of real estate we've seen in the last couple of years here is, of course, immigration, calling that demand, if you will. Um, Brian, why don't you kick off what you feel is going to happen here with immigration uh, for probably the rest of this year? Yeah. I mean, when we look at what's happened, at least over the course of the year, I mean, much like we talked about in our last podcast, I think, uh, you know, last year we had 350,000 uh, foreign workers, and I think we're up to 900,000 this year, which is a humongous increase. Uh, I would even call that a balloon. Um, and that's going to put ultimately a lot more pressure on the rental market. Uh, we don't already have enough inventory to buy. Buying is very expensive right now and really crushes affordability. And that leaves the rental market uh, pretty suspect to the rest of the market forces until we start to see a line of sight with respect to inflation and interest rates. So, you know, I think immigration, um, it's under a lot of scrutiny right now. It's got a lot of heat and a lot of spotlight. And that's because, uh, in some ways, I think the government is is trying to shift its focus away from necessarily the impacts that that's having on the housing sector. But also, you got to remember, there's a lot of private institutions in Canada, a lot of you know private education institutions that make a lot of money off of foreign students. So, you know, it's a very political thing as well. It'd be interesting to see how that plays out. But don't think for one second that you know that's not going to have. Uh, further effect on our already stressed marketplace. And this, there's a new report that just came to surface today, August 30th. And this was uh, created by uh, Deputy Chief Economist Benjamin Tal over at the CIBC, who thinks or who has reported here that he believes the immigration numbers as far as the non-permanent resident count is dramatically underestimated. Because he feels that between about 2017 to 2022, there was... Uh, a lot of people who overstayed their visas. And by a lot, I mean upwards of 1 million people. Whoa. A million. So, of course, what um, StatsCan seems to report here is that, or they expect people with their 30-day visas that they just leave on their own accord. This report suggests something different, that there may be actually upwards of 750,000 to a million extra people that are not really accounted for because they have stayed in the country as opposed to leaving after the visa, which again, when you look around, when you look at real estate prices, when you look at rental demand, you look at adding that on top of the 1.2 million people in the country in the last 12 months, 
you know, it kind of feels like it too. So mm-hmm. immigration going to be a continuing, obviously hot topic here in the country. And ultimately when the dust settles by the end of this year, like we predicted at the beginning, I think around Q1, they were on track to put in about 2 million people into the country this year. And I think that number may still be achieved. Take that for what it's worth. But obviously when you create that much demand, if you will, just by sheer nature of needing to put a roof over your head, it's going to increase, well, without without um, questioning it, at least rental prices for sure. Yeah, it's good. it's also artificially propping up prices when they should be coming down too. With that being said though, um, Dan, let's talk a little bit about interest rates because we're right around the corner from a big interest rate uh, announcement. There's going to be a lot of data that's coming out. Uh, specifically, you know, the GDP report is due this Friday as well. That'll be very interesting. Uh, I think the employment numbers come out just afterwards. Uh, however, they'll have a pretty good idea. Um, what's your take here? Do you see the Bank of Canada raising rates? And uh, I'll give my prediction too, but at the end of the day, um, and uh, I want to know what you think, and then we'll kind of touch on what some of the uh, economists are saying, what some of the major banks are saying, uh, media outlets are saying, and uh, kind of go from there. Yeah. I mean, you look to the markets and the markets as of today, I believe are still pricing in one hike, before the end of the year and somewhere around a 30%, 40% chance of that happening at the September 6th announcement. Ultimately, no one's talking about it going higher than a quarter point. By the end of the year, no one's talking about cuts either. So Hmm. either way, by the end of this year, we're still going to see the overnight rate within the fives. I think that's fair to say. So I'm going to go maybe not put myself out there for the exact um, hike for this this next week. Uh, yeah, whatever. They're going to hike. They're going to hike this week is my prediction because I love being wrong and I want them to actually hold for once. So <laughs> go reverse psychology on that one. But but ultimately, either way, right? If we're in the fives at the end of this year, that's going to dramatically affect everything else like it has for the last 18 months. So hmm. that's as far as I want to take that prediction. Fair enough. Um, Maybe before I give my prediction here, uh, I just want to, I'll drop on some of the media outlets and what they're saying here. So we looked into uh, a lot of these um, just came out about an hour or two hours ago, uh, being the 30th of August today. uh, And Reuters has come out and said that the Bank of Canada expects to hold steady at 5% on September 6th and stay at the level throughout at least until the end of March 2024, according to the majority of economists at a Reuters poll. However, there's a small growing minority that are expecting at least one more rate hike. What is RBC saying? RBC is saying, we expect there will be enough signs of cooling demand to date for the BOC to forego another increase in the overnight rate in September. Oxford Economics poll, 31 out of 34 economists polled in this week said there's no, cent- there's no change to the central bank's overnight rate, with the remaining three saying there's going to be a 0.25% uh, hike. And then if we look here, uh, the futures markets. So they are pricing in no change next week, um, but are nearly split over whether the rate rises once more. Money markets are seeing roughly a 70% chance that the BOC will move to the sidelines in September. Um, but they tend to lean forward further. Uh, there's going to be further tightening at the end of the year, which would result in interest rates peaking at 5.25% in the current cycle. So ultimately then, 
a lot of different opinions, a lot of people paying attention to this, and it just goes to show how incredibly hard it is to actually predict which way it's going to go next. But either way, like I said, I don't think there's going to be a dramatic, you know, 100 basis point change between now and the end of the year type of thing. I think that's fair to say. But ultimately, a big part of their decision lies on what happens within inflation. So I think uh, my take on where inflation is going to go in the next few months here to round out the end of 2023 is it is going to trend to the upside, though likely only, you know, small moves each month, small being, let's call it a a 0.2% change, but again, to the upside. So I think we have a very real possibility of rounding out 2023, seeing our inflation print in the low fours. You know, it'd be really interesting is or, or something I should say, something to pay attention to is that if we get raises in inflation between 0.3 and 0.5, it's very possible, Dan, that by the end of the year, you could see a 5% inflation rate. And that's really depends on, on you know, obviously we have baseline effects that are, are going to make this harder and harder to come down now. Uh, so it won't look like such big wins like it did last year. It's going to be a much more of an onslaught. But I tend to agree. I think it's going to be somewhere between that 4 and 5% range for inflation. Uh, and I think that'll also depend largely on our, our employment numbers. So it'll be really interesting to see how that unfolds. Um, why don't you t- why don't we touch on supply too? Because supply is a huge part of understanding this whole <laughs> whole equation, I guess. Of course, yeah, absolutely. So, supply is currently almost driven by sentiment. If people, well, sorry, there's a couple sides to it, of course. But right now, obviously, with people locked in their homes because they can't really afford to move or they can't even afford the house they're in, it makes no sense to put it up for sale. So. What's that that environment? The reason people have not moved for the last, let's call it 12 months, still exists today and still likely will uh, ultimately exist until the end of the year. And a lot of it is sentiment as well. So if we're seeing inflation rising, people are going to be kind of more scared, more hunkered down mode. And same thing, if they're seeing interest rates remain or even increase during you know the remainder of this year, same thing. That sentiment is to the downside of basically people saying, look, I got to hoard cash. I got to be able to find a way to pay my increasing mortgage payment. I am certainly not thinking about making a move right now. So that will further constrict supply. So I think realistically, we're going to continue to see this landscape in GVRD where we're sub 11,000 total listings at any given time for the duration of the year, right? We've got September and we've got October, maybe half of November where people are going to consider listing And then it's going to go quiet again, as it typically does in in the winter months here. So to see it spike by, you know, 10% in overall listings, from where? You know, these people Mm. that have not been selling for the last 12 months-ish are are the same people who don't, aren't really able to sell moving forward either. You know, yes, they have financial stresses, but again, selling and renting is, is not a beautiful option for a lot of people in the sense that it's almost just as hard to find a good rental. And of course, the prices may be even as high as your mortgage in some cases. So developers, as we know, have really pulled back. It's a very hard environment for a developer to go to market now with the high costs of obviously their construction financing, the fact that overall sales are low. So if they bring a product to market and they can't hit their sales targets to get their construction loans, that's a big hindrance to them. So they're kind of being protectionist on that side. Construction costs are still high. So if resale isn't coming to market and supply is not coming to market, just the overall landscape is just going to be tight, 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 really. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. I I just don't see anything outside of uh, almost a white swan or black swan event happening to dramatically change that landscape. 
I would almost argue that maybe even going into the rental market might might be more difficult now than it would be if you were trying to buy a home. I maybe not from an affordability perspective, but even from a supply perspective. Uh, it, it's going to be just as difficult, if not in many ways harder, uh, just out of the sheer fact that there's more people who can rent than can buy, right? And inventory numbers for rentals are are just as low as, as, as buying. So uh, it, it's, you know, when I look at the rest of the year for rentals, I don't see rental rates in, in many ways softening. Um, I, I think kind of one of two scenarios, they either continue to rise at a fairly steady rate or they continue to rise at a more sharp pace. And that'll largely depend on what the Bank of Canada decides to do. I think if, you know, if they continue to raise rates, making it even more unaffordable for people to buy homes, I think you'll see a sharper increase in rental rates. Whereas I think if they hold, and I think, you know, the effects from last year and all the rate hikes that actually start coming through the economy now, I think then they could rise slower because people... Uh, people will be more inclined um, looking at stability to maybe make different moves. So um, with that being said, I think one of the last things we'll probably talk about here is the GDP prediction here. Um, based on everything that I've been reading and the research I've been looking at, I believe it's likely going to show a fairly sharp slowdown in economic growth. Uh, Q1 was uh, 3.1%, right? So very, very healthy. Um, but I think the second quarter, we're going to see more like one to one and a half percent. I mean, RBC is saying, or sorry, the Bank of Canada is saying about one and a half percent. RBC is saying it's going to be even lower than that. So, and if that's the case, then that's a, that's a, that's a good argument to hold rates as opposed to raise them. So, uh, you know, come come the fall season, here's here's kind of what I think is going to happen. We'll have an, an uptick in activity month over month. So September, possibly October, will be better than July and August. But I think overall, housing markets will continue to slow down as the economy continues to drive to a halt. Uh, GDP will slow and unemployment could rise. If that happens, we'll enter a recession, uh, and it'll finally get acknowledged probably in a month or two from now. Uh, and that'll put us, you know, somewhere about from today, somewhere about eight months away from a housing, uh, the next housing sort of pickup, if you will. That would put us somewhere in the spring market. And that's also assuming, by the way, that it's a moderate recession. If it's a heavier recession, it could be far worse. Uh, and then I think, you know, one of the other things you'll need to look at, and this is outside of Vancouver, is, you know, when you consider housing prices on average in Vancouver and Toronto at 1.2 million, and you look at Alberta and the average price there for a home, 350, 400,000, I think you'll see Calgary, Edmonton, and, and lots of Alberta outperform the national averages as a result of that. Interesting predictions. And yeah, I, I largely will emulate those. One thing that I've kind of been noticing too is a lot of the people that uh, had their rate holds at fairly, or fairly, you know, attractive rates, if you will, those are all now coming to an end. They're at the end of those sort of three months where now they're all up into the fives and whatnot. And with those coming to an end, it's going to slow the amount of buyer demand that's out there. And again, not by a radical amount, but enough to just kind of turn this thing slower and slower as the year ends. And even with that, again, with the people that are locked in their homes, they're they're not listing. And a lot of the developers, again, they're not coming to market with stuff. So not to the degree they would in a quote unquote more normal environment. So that inventory still stuck below 11,000. Sales volumes grinding lower than the 10-year averages. 
we're going to continue to see the non-mortgage debt delinquencies increase. You know, credit card debt is going to increase, line of credit, that kind of stuff. And that's going to excuse me, continue to pinch people, but it's still not fully trickling down into housing numbers. Meaning, you know, we're mm-hmm. going to see arrears for mortgages tick up, but you know, we're ticking up off of almost all-time lows. So for those holding out to buy that foreclosure at a deal, those are still really like eight to 18 months away before any significant volumes of those may even uh, point or, you know, poke up. And lastly, too, like we know that uh, applications for, for building permits is way down, you know, like multi-decade lows here. And realistically, there's that trend is going to continue because, of course, the landscape is continuing in that manner. So until we start to see some stabilization there, too, um, it's going to kick that housing crisis further down the road in the sense that it's going to maintain for longer periods of time here. And uh, I think I'll put myself out there a little bit, too, with, with pricing. Uh, I think HPI is going to start to peel down, right? It's had mm-hmm. that sort of unexpected 6 7% to the upside here in GBRD. It could come down as much as 4% by the, by the uh, year end from where we sit today because I just, I just can't see people affording the current numbers that are out there. Uh, when they're having to qualify at eight nine percent, it just it just doesn't pencil out. So it's got to start feeling. It's got to start working its way into the pricing pretty soon here, because again, we're eighteen months into rate hikes, and uh, I think we're kind of at that eclipse now where it's um, it's starting to affect the uh, the housing prices overall. Yeah, I I largely agree with with everything you're saying here, Dan. And you know, I think momentum will only start to come back in the housing sector once we see. The Bank of Canada giving clear line of sight that uh, they intend to cut rates. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a whole load of excitement in, in <clears throat> the housing market until that until that takes place. And like I said, you know, it's it's going or like we've said, it's likely a year away before we even have talks of that. At this point, um, there's far more inflation uh, fights that we have, far greater inf- inflation fight that we have coming forward uh, that we're going to need to deal with. And it really depends on how quickly employment numbers peel off. And uh, it's a, I think it all kind of weighs in the balance at this point. There it is. Okay. Well, thanks as always for tuning in. Have a great Labor Day long weekend. And thanks for watching this episode. And if you enjoyed it, you found some value, please share it with one person who may feel the same. Thanks as always. See you next week. That wraps up this edition of the Vancouver Life Podcast. For more information on this podcast and to access a ton of free downloads, investment opportunities, current market info, and homes for sale, you can find it all at www.thevancouverlife.com. Thanks, and we look forward to bringing you more podcasts about Vancouver real estate.